Good day, everyone. So, so glad to be back here. Northridge is like a second home for me, and it just feels like coming home and seeing a bunch of people I love. So uh, I'm so glad to be with you. I've, I've, uh, it's been actually a little while for me, but I, I've probably preached here 10 times. I was trying to add it all up, and every single time I come here, it's such a joy. I've been coming back enough times now where I really know a bunch of people here, and so it's like coming home and seeing a bunch of people that I love. So uh, really glad to be a part of the Unforgettable series again. And uh, so if you're here or you're watching On Demand, which is how you actually say it, um, it's the Queen's English, turn to someone next to you and say, On Demand. You sound so dignified. It's beautiful, it's beautiful. Well, if we have not met before, as you can see, I'm born and raised in Tennessee. And um, all my life, yeah, I downloaded this accent, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I, I've, I moved here 20 years ago um, from Australia and uh, got married to an American girl because I was about to get deported, you know that, I was gonna say that, you know. So, uh, we fell in love too, so it all worked out, right? So, um, anyway, I've got three little girls and um, we live in Tennessee. We, we, we started this church four years ago and uh, I was telling Brad recently that all the times that I've come to, to, to speak at Northridge, I was just plotting them recently and just thinking about the different headspace that I was in. The first time that I came to preach here, I was still on the staff at Willow Creek in Chicago. And I was there for eight years and uh, loved them and uh, they're like a, a family to me as well. And then uh, my wife and I, we, we felt called to go start a new church. And, uh, and I, the first time that I came to speak here, I was so terrified about this whole idea. And uh, I, I gotta tell you that almost every single weekend, someone stops me after the service and they say, hey, we're from Northridge. It's so awesome. So many of you, particularly during the cold, are on your way to Florida and you stop over halfway and you see us at our church. I, I always feel like you come to say hi and you come to check out if we're actually working or doing something, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I appreciate that. But I, I've seen so many of you at church and it just brings me, me great joy. People have been asking, can you give us an update on how things have been going? My goodness, it's been a pretty extraordinary story these last four years. And I feel like you guys have prayed for us and loved us and supported us. So we planted two churches on the same day in two different areas of Nashville. One uh, poor area and one area, area that's a little more resourced. And uh, about two years into our story, uh, another church in town came to us and said, would you mind if we gave you our two buildings? And we said, well, we'll pray about that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they gave us two buildings and they kind of came and joined with us as well. And um, it's just been a pretty remarkable story. Uh, we now have uh, four locations in Nashville, two in New York City, and about 5,000 people worship with us every single weekend. And I don't even know how it'll happen. So just wanted to give you an update because people have been asking. Would you mind standing for the reading of God's Word? I wanna share something with you that has been one of the most unforgettable moments of my life. And I wanna share some, some ideas from the text that have shaped me in some truly unforgettable ways. We're gonna read from the book of Psalms, the last uh, chapter in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms culminates with these words. Praise the Lord. 
Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is how Psalms closes out. That's a heck of a way to begin, right? My goodness. All right, that is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I grew up in this small town attending a really small church in the bottom end of Australia in a rural community. And uh, the kind of tradition that I grew up in was not a particularly expressive tradition. It was more reserved. It was more sort of conservative in the way that they would gather together to worship. Um, most people would, would stand fairly still and we would sing songs um, mainly hymns, but a couple of choruses. But no one did any sort of externally enthusiastic or expressive ways of, of, of worship, right? That was the tradition I came from. It was very, very reserved. I mean, there may have been a celebration going on, but it was only on the inside, you know what I'm saying? Did anyone else come from a, a church environment that's sort of like that? All right, brothers and sisters, I love you. So imagine my surprise when I turned 18 and someone invited me along to the other kind of church. So uh, I had never experienced this before. I walked on in and worship had already begun. And uh, this is what I saw. I saw some people with a hand in the air. I saw someone else with like two hands in the air. I saw someone else who was squinting. There was another guy that had a vein like that was popping out of his neck. There were some people that were like bouncing a little bit as they were singing. Some people were in the aisles and sort of swinging their hands but everyone was belting out these songs. And I'm standing up the back here and I'm like, what do we have here? <laughs> and th there was something that I'll a really distinct thought flashed through my mind. Oh, these are not my people. <laughs> you had that experience before? I'm looking around and I'm partly repelled by what's going on and I'm partly like drawn in. There was this tension that was going on in my heart. It was like, I'm uncomfortable with all of this. See you next week. <laughs> you know, it was just that feeling. So I came back again, and then I came back again. And then before long, after a few weeks, after a little bit of time, I found myself not being able to resist anymore. And I just jumped into the river. I just jumped on the train. I just got on board. I became one of them, to my own surprise. The, the theologian, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, a dislike of enthusiasm can be one of the greatest hindrances to revival. Today, I wanna share with you about the biblical idea of praise. In fact, I wanna share with you a theology of praise from the book of Psalms. Now, most of you probably know, if you've been around church for any sort of length of time, you've probably heard that there are four Greek words for the English word love. Do you remember hearing that? You know, the English word, the English language is, is a translation of the Greek and Hebrew. I mean, unless you're reading in Greek and Hebrew, you're reading a translation, right? And they're not perfect translations. Translations. 
And, and, and so sometimes things get lost in translation. So you take the word love in the English, like I love my wife and I love sushi. And, and for, for some reason, that's the same word, the same level of passion, you know, captured in that word, right? In, in the Greek, you know this, there, there are four different words. There's storge, there's phileo, there's eros, and there's agape. There's actually a couple more, but these are the four main ones. Storge is, uh, you know, kind of like I storge, I like Chick-fil-A, you know? That, that, that's the way you'd use it. Um, phileo is like love you, dude. It's like friendship. Eros is like sexuality and passion. And agape is like sacrificial love, someone laying down their life. Well, today I wanna share with you the seven Hebrew words that are all translated into the English word praise. There are seven of the most frequent words that are translated in our English translations. We just read it as praise every single time, but there are seven different words and they all mean something slightly different. Now, if you write this down, if you lean in, if you take note of this, this is gonna be unforgettable to you. You will worship differently as a result of hearing these seven different words. So let's jump in. The first word is the Hebrew word yada. Everyone say yada. All right, here we go. Yada means to revere or to worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands, to throw a stone or an arrow. Yada is the same verb that is used for shooting an arrow or throwing a stone. It shows up in Psalm 67. It says, may the people's Yada you, God. May all the peoples yada you. English word is praise, the Hebrew word is yada. It's used 111 times in the Bible. Now, I remember the first time that I ever raised my hands in a private setting, right? I was, I was driving along in my car. When I was uh, 16 years old, I had an, a Mazda RX-7, and I thought I was cool. Uh, apparently, that's where it started, ended, but I thought I was cool. And I was one of the the first people to have, at least that I knew, that had a, a CD player in my car. Uh, if you're under 30, there were once these shiny things called CDs. And um, uh, you can Google it. But um, I, had, I had a CD player and I would listen to a, a steady diet of In Excess and Midnight Oil and Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, you know, and, and I would be that guy who pulled up at the lights with my, with my windows down, just pounding out the music, right? I'm the guy that everyone in minivans were rolling their eyes and going, what a loser. So one day someone gives me a CD and this was before the modern worship movement and, and, and so I had no description for it other than it was church music. Um, it was choruses. Someone had put choruses on a CD player, on, on a CD and, and were giving it out and they're like, hey man, you gotta listen to this. I'm like, choruses? Why? Why, why would I wanna to listen to this? He's like, trust me, mate, you, you need to check this out. So I start listening to this CD, this choruses, this church music, and something starts to happen in my heart and I didn't even expect it. But all of a sudden I didn't wanna to listen to anything else. I was just listening to this one CD over and over again. And I would be driving along and I would just get kind of ambushed by God's presence sometimes. It would just feel as though God would come and fill my car. And there was this one day, I'll never forget, I pull up at the lights, I'm all on my own and, I, and, and I'm like overcome with the presence of God as I'm listening to these choruses on this CD. 
and I got my hands on my steering wheel and I'm so overcome by who God is that I take my hands off the steering wheel and I just lift them before God. And I have this conscious thought, oh no, I've become one of them. (laughs) I've switched teams, you know, I'm not a hand raiser. I remember the first time I ever raised my hands in a public setting. I didn't hang out with hand raisers, right? I hang out with the other team. And, and maybe some of you can, can uh, you know, relate to this. Maybe you've had this experience, but I, I just remember being really conscious of what my friends would think if I raised my hands. You know, it'd just be, you know, they, they we're like sort of singing the songs and then all of a sudden like Darren started like, what are you doing? You know, you need to go to the restroom? Like what's going on, you know? And there was this one moment, I'm in church, I'm with my non-hand-raising friends, and I am so overcome by the promises and the faithfulness of God. My heart is swelling with gratitude that I can't help myself anymore, and I don't care anymore what they think. And I start to lift my hands, and I do underarm to begin with, and then I just can't help myself anymore, and I lift my hands. I feel their eyes on me, and I don't care. You ever had that experience? For 3,000 years, God's people have been raising their hands in His presence. Think about this. This is a natural human experience. This is very primal. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a goal, a three-pointer, a touchdown, whatever it is. What do human beings do when they celebrate? Boom, they shoot their hands up in the air. This is called yada. First word, yada, means praise. The second word is halal. Everyone say halal. Halal is the primary Hebrew word for praise. Our word hallelujah comes from this word. Hallelujah means, or halal means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. It shows up in Psalm 149 verse three. Let them halal his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. The context is this. Think of 38,000 Levites, 38,000 musicians, and they're all coming together with this big praise pit, and they're starting to sing, and they're starting to play, and there is an energy, there is an enthusiasm, there is something that is combusting among these people, and it rises up together. It's a celebration. It's a dance. This is the essence of halal. How many of you have ever been to a Jewish wedding before? All right, rest of you, you need to go just recreationally. I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta see this. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went to a Jewish wedding. And um, I'd never been to one before. I didn't know what to expect. We get through the ceremony, and little did I know that the real games were about to begin. And so after the ceremony, we started uh, with, the, with the celebration and there was dancing and there was laughing and there was like this huge banquet of food and drink and like, this is non-optional participation. I'm like, hey, I'm a Gentile, come on, you know? And all of a sudden like, I'm putting my arms around like two Jewish men in their 60s and we're like singing and dancing and <laughs> these guys are like leaning their heads back and laughing so hard it seems to be coming from their souls. These guys know how to celebrate. They're looking and they're seeing two people that they love who are coming together in holy matrimony. They're coming together, making a covenant for the rest of their lives to say, we are coming together, we feel called to being together. 
And, and the rest of the people go, this is worthy of celebration. We must lift our voices and dance and sing. This is the essence of halal. Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will halal God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. The entire book of Psalms culminates with these words. We just read them a moment ago. Let everything that has breath halal the Lord. Halal the Lord. Halal has the same root as the word hilul, and it literally means celebration. Halul is used in two other places in the Old Testament, in Judges and in Leviticus, to describe a festival. Now, check this out. Halul is the word that they would use to describe dancing on top of grapes as they crush them to produce wine. Isn't that cool? I mean, and this was like an enthusiastic experience. This was not just like squishing the grapes. This was like dancing on top of the grapes and crushing them because they know, oh, this is gonna be some good wine, people. They're ready for a celebration. This is the idea of halal. Halal means to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be fools. Some definitions even say to be mad. The essence of halal. I wonder if sometimes God looks across North America with all of our dignified, very carefully orchestrated worship experiences and thinks, hey church, you're singing about joy. You're singing about celebration. You're singing about deliverance. And yet there is a gap between what you're singing about and how you are singing. He might be going, hey, you're underperforming here with halal. Hallelujah. The third word is the word shabak. Everyone say shabak. Shabak means to address in a loud tone, to shout, to commend, glory, triumph. Shows up in Psalm 145 verse four. It says, one generation shall shabak your words to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation will shout to the next generation. How many of you are parents? Just raise your hand if you're a parent. All right, bunch of you are parents. Bunch of us are parents. We are charged with shabaking to the next generation. This is something that we need to take very seriously. This is not looking at our kids and saying, well, young man, I hope that one day you make a personal decision to follow Jesus. Oh, what a day that will be. <laughs> That's not the essence of shabak. Shabak is getting down and looking at your children in the eye and saying, do you understand how real God is? God has led our family. God has guided our family. God has provided for our family. We have seen God do extraordinary things. God has caused our family to take risks. God has led us. We have seen God heal this person, we have seen God unite where there was conflict. Like, we gotta be shouting to the next generation about the promises and the faithfulness of God. My three little girls have had a front row seat to watching Brandy and I take steps of faith, and I want them to. We wanna invite them in when we don't know what's gonna happen, when we don't know how this is gonna play out. When we were looking at leaving Chicago and planning a church, we're looking at our three little girls and we're having a time of prayer and we're saying, we feel God is calling us to set out to plant a church. And my girl said, where daddy? And we said, we don't know. 
When are we gonna do it? We don't know. We just believe God is gonna guide us. We put our house on the market and our neighbours asked us where we were going and we said, we don't know. The moving company said, address that you're moving to and we said, we don't know. Don't you feel like a mad person doing some of these things? And my kids have had a front row seat of us doing all of that. But they've also seen how God has provided and led and guided us and done a bunch of miraculous things. I want my kids to grow up in an environment where this is normal Christianity. Like risking and being led of the Spirit is what we do as followers of Jesus. And when my daughters are old enough to make decisions themselves, I want that to be normal for them. I want them to find it more difficult to doubt than believe because of what they have seen as they have been growing up. It's the essence of shouting to the next generation. If we don't shout to the next generation, the culture will shout to them and the culture will define its vision and values and attitudes. The church must rise up and shout to the next generation. This is the essence of Shabak. It's a holy roar. Isaiah 42, verse 13, the Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. All right, just for a frame of reference, I wanna, I wanna show you a cultural Shabak. Something that will help you go, okay, now I get it. This is getting clearer for me now. So take a look at this. This is gonna be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs win the World Series! Bill Murray hasn't been that happy since Groundhog Day. <laughs> now, if you're from another country, like I am, let me just give you a little bit of an explanation. So, there's this white leather bowl, right? And it's got a bunch of stitching on it, and some guy's standing on a little hill, and he throws it to another guy. Now, there's another guy that's holding a piece of wood, and he misses it almost every single time. So then, occasionally, he hits it, everyone's surprised, right? He drops a piece of wood and he runs around and he sticks his foot on a bunch of different bags. He makes it all the way back. He sits down for a very long time. <laughs> this is the essence of what is going on here, right? Now, you guys might be like, oh, come on, man. You don't understand. That Shabak was 108 years worth of pent up disappointment. <laughs> that was 108 years of believing and then, oh, it didn't work out again. There were entire generations of Cubs fans who were born next to Wrigley Field. They grew up and then they died without ever seeing the Cubs take hold of the championship, right? I mean, you, you don't understand what is really going on here. Well, unless I am mistaken, Every single weekend when we gather together, we celebrate the fact that Jesus has defeated sin, hell, death, and that we are going to rule and reign as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what we celebrate every single time we come together. 
You came from heaven to earth to show the way. Somehow we are missing what the Shabbat is supposed to be. Is that right? The Psalms are a record of one generation shouting to the next generation. The Psalms are a record of the people of God where one voice unites with another voice. They assemble together. These are not just songs, but they're holy anthems. It's a holy roar. The third word is shabak. The fourth word is the word zamah. Everyone say zamah. Zamah means to make music, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. Zamah shows up in Psalm 144. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of 10 strings. I will sing zamah to you. It's used 41 times. It's the idea of music. A friend of mine told me that scientists have just discovered that there is a certain kind of flower that opens when birds chirp, when birds make sounds. It opens at the sound of birds. And he said the human soul opens at the sound of worship music. You ever experienced that before? You ever experienced walking into church and the last thing you're thinking about are things of eternity? You're walking in and you're weighed down with the anxieties of life and stress and financial matters and health stuff and conflict and you walk on in and all of a sudden you are ambushed by the presence of God. And you feel, you feel your heart starting to pull back into alignment. You feel your priorities starting to slip back into place. You feel the presence of God. This is the essence of Zamah. When my little girls were born, all, all three of them, I, I made a soundtrack, a worship music soundtrack, so that when they came out of the womb, the first time that their eardrums vibrated, it was to the sound of Zamah. It was to the sound of worship music. God's people lifting up His name. There is something more powerful about Zamah than we even understand. In, um, in 2 Kings 3, you got the children of Israel who are deliberating about whether they should go into battle or not and, and they're wondering if anyone can hear from God and then Elisha shows up on the scene. Verse 15, he says, but now bring me a harpist. He's like, it's about to get so good, I need some musicians, I need a soundtrack. You ready? And then while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water. This is a biblical idea. The human heart, the human soul responds to music. I live in Music City, and the whole music industry is circulating around uh, where I live. Half of our church works in the music industry. And I often think the very reason that sound, tone, melody was created, the origin of music, was to praise Almighty God. That's why music even exists. Fourth word is zamah. The fifth word is taldah. Everyone say taldah. Taldah means an extension of the hand. Thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise. Thanksgiving for things not yet received. A choir of worshipers. Psalm 56, 11 says, in God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? 
Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God, and I will render Taldah to you. Taldah is the idea of lifting your hands in the presence of God, not just for what he has done, but what you're believing he will do. When you gather with God's people and you lift your hands, there is a physicality, there is a physical expression of your trust and your faith in Him. Some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. That's why we raise our hands. You raise your hands for your marriage. You raise your hands for the job that you're trying to get. You raise your hands for your wayward son or daughter. You raise your hands for the conflict that you're experiencing. You raise your hands for the guidance and the direction that you're needing. You raise your hands and in doing so, you're saying, I put my trust. I declare that He alone is the one who orders my steps. He is the one that I trust. I raise my hands in Taldah because He is in control. You know who gets this better than anyone I know? It's the African American church. I was uh, invited to speak at the largest African American church in Chicago land a few years ago, Salem Baptist Church, about 20,000 members. Reverend James Meeks is the senior pastor there. And uh, they meet on the south side of Chicago in an area where there is the greatest concentration of crime. When you're reading in the news and you're hearing about all this stuff that's going on in Chicago with violence and gangs and all of that sort of stuff, it is largely around this particular area. So I was nervous about going there, first and foremost because I preach like a white boy, and uh, secondly, because like, I'm just imagining the amount of just resistance and darkness in this particular area. I'm thinking, man, I bet your church, church, you just feel the resistance. You feel like the, 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 the tension. You feel like the, the darkness is sort of closing in. I bet you there's just that awareness of, of all of that that's going on. I'm just telling you, this church gets Taldah like nothing I have ever seen before. I'm sitting on the front row and the choir files in, right? And the music starts and they start belting out, Jesus made a way when there is no way. They start saying, rise up church, the story is not over yet. They start singing, have faith. They start singing, hold on. They start singing, it's time where the Lord is going to come through. And I'm just telling you, I am listening to all of this and I'm, lifting, I'm, I'm feeling the faith that is rising in the room, the Taldah that is going on in the room. I didn't walk up to the pulpit, I floated up. <laughs> there was something about the declaration of faith. God, we may see some darkness around us, but our Taldah punctures that darkness with the light. And we believe that God is faithful. That's what happens when God's people praise. That's what happens. The sixth word is the word Barak. Everyone say Barak. Barak means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration. Indeed, kneel, down, praise, salute, still, thank. Psalm 72 verse 11 says, Yea, all the kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him, and he shall live. And to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba, 
Prayer also shall be made for him continually and daily shall he be baracked. It's used 289 times in the Psalms. It's the idea of bowing down in God's presence with reverence. But in the ancient world, it was even more specific than that. It was the idea, Barak is the idea of coming into the presence of the king and keeping eye contact with the king. And no matter where the king looks and no matter where you go, you are keeping eye contact with the king. How different would our church gatherings feel if we came into the place and we all were just fixated on the king? Our eyes were on the king. We wouldn't be complaining that we're not doing enough hymns or we're doing too many hymns or the music's too quiet or the music's too loud or are we really doing oceans again? Come on. You see, we would be focused on the king. We have this little saying around our church where if someone ever says to you, how was the worship? We say, that's the wrong question. We say, how was your worship? How was my worship? No one else can give God your affection, only you can. The idea of Barak praising God is is coming into his presence and having your eyes on the king. The last of these words, number seven is Tehillah. Everyone say Tehillah. Tehillah means a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song. Tehillah in Hebrew means a song of praise. In fact, the entire book of Psalms in Hebrews is called the Tehillim. It's the, uh, the culmination, the plural of multiple Tehillah. Shows up in Psalm 22, verse three, it says, but you are holy, enthroned in the Tehillah of Israel. Now it's not just a song, it's also a new song. It's also an unrehearsed song. It's also like a song that doesn't rhyme. It's like a song that does not have a catchy tune. It's a song that comes out of your heart. It's a song that comes out of your story. The intimacy of your relationship with God, the adoration that flows out of your heart. Some of you know, Almost 20 years ago, I applied for a work visa to come to the United States. I was working in Christian radio and I wanted to come over and work in Christian radio in America. So I lined up at the American Embassy in Melbourne, Australia to get my visa, right? When I got my visa, they made a mistake. They gave me a pastor's visa. They gave me a religious worker's visa. I'd never been a pastor. I hadn't planned on being a pastor. I hadn't been to seminary. I'd never done that before. They gave me a pastor's visa, right? Sometimes people say to me, brother, tell me the story. How were you called into the ministry? I'm like, the US government. Um, (laughs) So inspiring, I know. And out of fear of deportation, I just keep preaching every single week. (laughs) I'm terrified, terrified. But that's my story. And to my knowledge, Chris Tomlin has not written a song with those details. (laughs) The essence of Tehillah is you bringing your story in your song, sing a new song. When you're driving in your car and you lift your voice and you sing a new song, even if you're not good. When 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 one song ends in church and a new one's about to begin and you just start belting out some new song, 
That's the overflow of what God has done in you. That is the essence of Tehillah. Here's where it gets really good. Psalm 22 in the King James says this, you inhabit the Tehillah of Israel. This is the kind of praise that God inhabits. When we come together and we praise, all of heaven is leaning over the rails, right? But when someone starts to sing a new song, when someone starts to sing a spontaneous song, when there is Tehillah that is breaking out, God Himself says, peace out angels, I'm going to hang out over there. It's the essence of Tehillah. These are powerful things when we come together and we praise. The seven words of praise will change the way that you worship Jesus if you let them. It will be unforgettable. Now, I wanna share just a couple of final thoughts and then we're gonna lift our voices and respond to God's word. The, the, the first thing I would say is, is maybe you're going, hey, this is really good and I appreciate that, but this is not really my personality. I, I, I just don't express things very much. I'm an accountant, I don't do that, right? <laughs> so let me just say this in the kindest way I can from a pastoral standpoint. These are commands. These are commands from the scripture. The number one command, repeated command in all of the Bible is to pray. Do you know what the number two is? To sing. These are commands. This is a little bit like going, I don't really feel like having integrity. It's not really my personality. I don't really feel like living a life of purity. It's just really not who I am. These are commands from God. Maybe you would say, I'm not really comfortable doing this. What I'm amazed by is that when I take some of my most conservative worshipers to a, to a regular concert, like a couple of weeks ago, we went to uh, Sting and Peter Gabriel. And, and it just took me back, right? It took, I was like all of a sudden in the eighth grade wearing a leather jacket going, what's up ladies? You know, like I, I was completely taken back with sledgehammer. And, um, and like my mates who, who, who do not express themselves very much in church at all, are just like raising their hands and jumping up and down. And I'm like, what is going on here? They're like, the music is so reminiscent. And it is, isn't it? Isn't that what praise is supposed to be? We sing about life, death and resurrection. And we go, oh, that's right. You set me free with the power of the gospel. Oh, that's right. I was dead in sin and transgressions and through the power of the resurrection, I was brought to life and I'm now a son or a daughter of the most high God. That's right, you set me free. That's what we do when we worship. That's what we do. I had to come to terms with that my comfort cannot be more important than your commands, God. Maybe you would say, well, I'm just, I'm just a little bit concerned with what other people would think. You know, I, I start getting a little fanatical. They're gonna be like, what's next? The snake's coming out. You know, I mean, this is getting weird, you know? I remember, I remember when I was first starting out in ministry 20 years ago, and as you know, it was unexpected that I became a pastor. And uh, I remember a few years into ministry, I sensed that the thing that we needed to do was dial things back in our worship gatherings so that we could be sensitive to other people who are outsiders. 
that, you know, like if they came in and they saw us being like really enthusiastic, they'd just be weirded out and they'd be like, no, thank you. And I honestly, I felt the Holy Spirit just rebuke me, going, really? You think the greatest way for you to represent the joy that you feel in Jesus is a dialed back, inoculated version of worship? You think a room full of people looking like ironing boards is gonna be what people are gonna be drawn to? In our worship services, I want people to feel a little uncomfortable with things. That's okay. And when they go out to lunch and they're debriefing the whole experience, they're going, I'm not sure what to do with all of that. I'm not sure if I believe it, but I tell you this much, those people certainly do. That's the kind of worship gatherings that I wanna be a part of. Let's, let's give God the kind of praise and the kind of gratitude that is worthy of His name. I wanna be in a gathering where we're lifting up our voices. Last thing, King David did this probably better than anyone. In Psalm 119, it says, seven days I will halal you for your righteous laws. What did, what did David do? What was it like hanging out with David? Well, maybe, you know, like every few, you know, several times a day, he was kind of like, hey, um, just give me a second. I need, to, I need to just worship Jesus. I need to worship God for a second. And he, and he steps off and he's just like, God, you are so good. Seven times a day, he's pulling aside and he's going, God, you are so good. His wife's going, uh-oh, he's dancing again. Uh-oh, he's down to his underwear again. They're like, well, uh-oh, you know. And what does David say? Oh, I will become even more undignified than this because of what God has done for me. He set me free. All right, I wanna invite you to stand. So, for me, studying the seven Hebrew words of praise was unforgettable. And my guess is that many of you have not heard these words before. And now is about to be the first opportunity that you will have to respond after hearing the seven Hebrew words of praise. Now, you will never have another first opportunity, okay? Here's your shot. We are called to respond to God's Word. We're called to study His Word, to consume His Word, and then respond in the way that we live. It's time for a shabak. It's time for a holy roar. May the loudest praise not come from the University of Michigan, but from God's people who raise their voices together with a holy roar. Let's see unto God. His body bound 
We give You praise. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. We give You praise. We give a holy roar, a shabak to You, God, for You are faithful. You are faithful, God. Maybe for some of you, this was your first time in church and you're like, what do we have here? (laughs) Welcome, welcome, we're glad you're here. Hey, maybe you need a, you wanna start a relationship with God. It really is as simple as surrendering your heart before Him and inviting Him in. Or maybe some of you need to come home. Your heart has been wandering. And the presence of God, the Tehillah, is sort of stirring you. It's bringing you back home. It's pulling things back into alignment. We're gonna take a moment and we're just gonna go before God. And I want you to do business with Him. Let's pray. For those who are feeling right now, God, their heart's just pulling back into alignment feeling their priorities shifting again, feeling their gaze fixed on eternity again. We give You thanks. We give You thanks for Your presence. We give You thanks to be in a church that really praises You. So for those, God, who are perhaps wanting to start a relationship with You, we just create a moment right now where they can turn their hearts to You and say, Jesus, thank You for the life and death and resurrection. I invite You in, surrender myself to You. I wanna start a whole new life as a son or a daughter of God. I pray, God, as, as these people are praying that prayer, that You will meet them right where they are, that this would begin a whole new life for them. This is our prayer, God. We are grateful to be in Your presence. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, on the way in, on the way in, you received a little handout like this. If, if you made a decision to, to, to start a relationship with God, you can fill that out and you can just check the box there. Um, today, I prayed to receive Christ, uh, Jesus into my life for the first time or renewed my commitment. If you're uh, watching this online, you can, uh, you can check the box, you can click on the area there and, you can, and someone can follow up with you from Northridge. Uh, you can put this in a box on the way out after you fill this out or you can hand it to one of the greeters. And if you have any kind of prayer requests, uh, I know that this is a praying church. They would love to pray for you um, and, and stand with you in this next season. Speaking of prayer, there's gonna be a prayer team that are gonna be down the front here. And they would love to pray with you for any reason as, uh, as we close the service. I just wanna say thank you for allowing me to come back with you. It is such a joy to be with you every time I'm here. Love you guys, thank you, God bless.